sometimes the only way to defeat a predator is to become one. Welcome to Video Gameography, a podcast from Game Informer about the history of games, one game at a time, one series at a time. I'm Ben Reeves. I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by Chris Kohler, the editorial director at Digital Eclipse. How's it going, Chris? Pretty good. Excited to talk about video games. Yeah. And when are you not excited to talk about video games? There's been days. There's been days, but I'm not excited. You know, you just got to push through it, though. You know, you got to take one for the team occasionally. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us, Chris. It's good to have you. We are in the middle of a series on Metroid right now. We've reached Metroid Fusion. Mm. Mm. Which is, uh, I, I always thought it was like pretty beloved. And then I was doing some research on this and like, there are some people, I guess, who don't love it, which is news to me, but I'm curious, like where you guys stand, do you guys love or hate Metroid fusion? I love this game. This is my first Metroid actually. So it has that element of like the first one's probably always your favorite or at least special to you. Uh, but even then I didn't play it in its times. I, when I was looking at the date, I. I always thought this game in my mind came out like mid 2000s, but it was 2002 and mm -hmm. I played it on the uh, the best handheld device ever made, possibly the Nintendo DS Lite with that oh. with that handy little uh, GBA slot because <laughs> I was aware of its reputation and I uh, found a copy and just ran through it. And I, that was like that light bulb moment of like, oh. Wow, this is why everyone goes wild for Metroid. Are they all like this? <laughs> that was I yeah, I actually had something very similar which is where um like when you know when Metroid came out for the NES, I tried it a little bit. I mean, it's you know, I was young, right? I mean, I was like, you know, 9, 10 years old. Tried it. It was like, nah, it's not really for me. Um Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. I think I played a little bit of it and it was like, nah, I don't know. I don't really like this game. And so then when Super Metroid came out, which, you know, was was much much better than those first two games you know it was this real masterpiece i was kind of like you know i don't really like metroid so i'm not going to get this and then um all of the hype around uh because this game came out on the same day in the u.s as as metroid prime did um which is bizarre to think about that they released uh two metroids on the same day but i got prime infusion and i i mean i really the, all the hype was around metroid prime so i played that but then it wasn't it was on the GameCube. So, I mean, if I had to leave the house, I had, you know, played I think I played Prime and Fusion actually kind of simultaneously. And I played Fusion. So that was actually my first 2D Metroid that I actually sat in and, and played through all the way. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Wouldn't that make it your first Metroid period? Uh, no, because I had played Metroid Prime. Ah. Also, and I think I might have beaten Prime before I did Fusion, but I played through. Guess it didn't take a detective to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but uh, I was just like, holy crap, this is incredible. And I looked at what people were saying about Fusion online and they were like, this is good, but it's not as good as Super Metroid. Then I'm like, OK, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is that this great game that I just played that I loved every second of. There's another game that's just like this, but you all you all think it's better. So I was living in Japan at the time, which means that I walked out of my house, walked 10 minutes down the street, walked into an appliance store, went up to the second floor and bought a, a beautiful mint copy in the box of Super Metroid for 
and then wow. and then went home and, and played it because i mean that is it was 2002 in japan you could buy literally any video the most expensive video game in the world was like a thousand dollars and you could go into a store and buy it if you wanted to and anything else was just down from there so i mean super metroid was nothing what game was a thousand dollars back then uh darius alpha for the um for the pc engine it was this like mail away pc engine it would it would cost you like ten thousand dollars now you know what i mean like it's it's um uh, but it was just this mail away game and you had to spend a thousand dollars to get it. But then literally anything else was was yours for, mm-hmm. you know, much less than that. Sure. How many copies do you own of of Darius Alpha? Zero um, of <laughs> Super Metroid. Two. But one day I'd like to make it three because um, in the you know how Earthbound had the big box in the US with the strategy guide inside of it. In Europe, they did this for other games, and one of them was Super Metroid. So there's a big Earthbound size Super Metroid box, big, gorgeous Samus artwork on the front with a full strategy guide in place of an instruction manual. It costs like three, four hundred bucks. I don't I don't really want it that much. But like one day I would if I had the opportunity to get one, maybe a little under retail, something like that. I'd like to get a nice one of those. But only but right now I just have two copies of Super Metroid, which is probably one more than anybody really needs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's you awesome. need at least one, though. You I do need one. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, Earthbound bundle was real cool. And I didn't realize how rare that was at the time. But the story I always heard was that they bundled in the instruction book because they were like American audiences are not going to understand this game. I don't know if you guys have heard that story. Yeah, I don't know if I mean, I don't know what the rationale was. I know that again, like I know that in Europe they had done this for other games, like the other RPGs, Secret of Mana and um, uh, Illusion of Gaia, stuff like that. They had done these big box releases with the guides. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just sort of looked at that and they were like, "Hmm, well, maybe, you know, we've got this RPG coming out and, you know, maybe if we put the, the strategy guide in there with it, we can convince more people to buy it because because like for me as a kid, it was sort of like, oh, they're going to give me the strategy guide. Great. Then I'm guaranteed to do really, you know, to play this game a lot because uh, I'm always I'm already going to have the the strategy guide to to help me go through it. Um, I think it was sort of the mentality there. So, I mean, maybe they were just hoping that that would kind of juice sales. I think they understood that it was a great game, but thought it needed a, a shot in the arm to do well. And then it and then it didn't do well. Right. Yeah. So back it up. You said you were in Japan at the time when yeah. Fusion and Prime. Yeah. Came out? And they and uh, they I actually had. So um, Jeremy Parrish, uh, who at that point we were just Internet friends. He uh, he's the, the one of the hosts of, of the Retronauts podcast, which I've been on now for 15 years. Um, and uh, but at that time, we had never actually met in, in real life. And um, he wanted some stuff from Japan. I wanted some stuff from America because Prime and Fusion did not come out in Japan until months later. So I imported the American versions of Prime and Fusion uh, very shortly after launch day um, and sent him some stuff from Japan that I forget exactly what it was. And uh, yeah, so and I was living in this Japanese house that had very thin walls and I was living next to uh, two I think elderly sisters who ran a little store and our houses kind of adjoined each other, like row housing sort of a thing. And they couldn't, it would be very impolite of them to tell me to turn down my goddamn video games at three (laughs) o'clock in the morning. So they uh, sort of tried to intimate to me that they could hear me playing video games at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning um, and tried like to kind of on the wall or like a no, no. When I'd see them out during the day, they'd be like, oh, you really like video games, huh? <laughs> 
and I didn't, I was 22 <laughs> years old at the time. It didn't dawn on me until years later that they were trying to kind of politely um, mm. tell me to turn down the volume on Metroid Prime. I, well, I do. Um, and so sometimes I do actually play things too loud for other people. But yeah, so they it um, just, you know, at, at 22 years old, I did not have the have the social uh, graces to understand what was going on. But but yes, I played the, the ever loving crap out of me. I just very, very strong memories of being in this little house in Japan playing Metroid Prime on my on my tube television and being blown away, of course. It was, again, like, I can't believe it. Can you believe that there was a day that Nintendo released two Metroids on the same day? Um, It's it's, it's impossible to think about. It's like the golden age of Metroid was right around this period because you had, I I saw some reporting that Metroid Prime came out the day before Metroid Fusion and then other reporting yeah. was the same day. So now I'm confused. Release dates at that time were were not quite set in stone. Right. But anyway, either way, yeah, those two games come out. And then like two years later, Metroid Zero Mission, which is another great handheld mm-hmm. version of Metroid, is like probably the most <laughs> condensed release of Metroid games uh, we'll ever see, maybe even. Which yeah. is kind of a shame. Yeah. But Chris, I'm glad you're here. You're probably the perfect person for this. So in Japan, do you feel like there was any sort of fervor when those Metroid games came out. You know, the the story is always that, oh, here in the US, people like Metroid, but in Japan, nobody cares. Is that kind of the sense you got? Yeah, it's not quite that nobody cares, but it was not. Uh, yeah, I think that um, I do think that like Metroid one on the NES, like got a lot of American kids really excited about Metroid, like that just for some reason it did really well here. And the same thing with Metroid two was always pushed really hard. Um, whereas yeah, in Japan, it wasn't quite as big Metroid prime obviously was going to be at a huge disadvantage because I mean, even today, you know, first person shooters are not a popular genre in Japan where, I mean, and then at the time it was like even less. So, I mean, really nobody played FPS. There was no, again, like it was this very, very small group of people in Japan who, cared at all about any kind of first person shooters doom or i mean you know nobody played halo and so metroid prime i think well first of all i think they they tried to kind of square that circle right with metroid prime because it's not a dual stick game it's and it's and it's not about like fast moving strafing shooting it's it's really like a metroid game that simply happens to take place in the first person it's weird to play now actually with that in mind because you can't just free look with the right stick yeah you kind mm-hmm. of you kind of lock onto stuff. It's kind of a weird control scheme these days, but it it works. It work, yeah, it works because I mean, because again, it's not an FPS. It's really just trying to be a um. It's a it's a totally different kind of thing. We'll see what happens, of course. With I'm very interested to see what happens with Prime Four, just because you know now everybody is kind of used to dual six shooters. Like, are they going to go that route? Nobody really knows. Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder if they'll even have a lock on or if it'll mm-hmm, just be straight mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. trooper controls. We'll see. I they you know, it's there it's, it's I I have no maybe idea. The, maybe the GameCube adapter will work. They'll just I have it so. map to that. That's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, that's what I want too now. But let's do some table setting. Uh game came out in 2002, which I believe we said just for uh cast your mind back to 2002. Games of that year were Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, Battlefield mm. 1942, Kingdom Hearts, the first Ratchet and Clank, the first Sly Cooper, the original Splinter Cell, 
Super Mario Sunshine was another big Nintendo release of that year alongside Metroid Prime and, as we said, Metroid Fusion, which both came out on November 18th, 2002. As you mentioned, Chris, didn't come out in Japan until February 14th of 2003, Mm -hmm. the following year. Valentine's Day, though. Maybe that means something. (laughs) Also, underrated year in hindsight. You know, when you're talking about best gaming years, 2002 isn't one that you normally hear get brought up at like 1998 or 2007. But like hearing you go down, it's like, huh, didn't really connect those dots that all of those are in one year. That's Mm -hmm. yeah, it is interesting. That's pretty strong. Another thing to note, you know, just marker of the year, The Sims came out previously, like the year before, I believe. But th- this is the year that everybody's playing The Sims and it overtakes Myst as like the biggest selling PC game of all time. Oh, yeah. That AIAS inducts Will Wright into the Hall of Fame. It's kind of cool. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers comes out. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones comes out. Spider-Man comes out. It's like the, the biggest movie of the yeah. year. The Winter Olympics are in Salt Lake City. Eminem's The Eminem Show debuts. Yeah. A couple of good things. 2002, not a terrible year. Yeah, Ben, I, I started high school that year. I think you forgot to mention that. Oh, that was on my notes. Event. Did I not say that? Oh, yes. It, it changed the game forever. The oh, that, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Changes the game forever, Dash. Yeah. I it's like, he's it. here. He's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> not on Wikipedia, but it is on Wikia. It's on fandom. Yes. <laughs> we'll see if we can get somebody to add that mm-hmm. the official site. This game is developed by Nintendo R&D 1, which I believe that is like the last Metroid game developed in-house, correct? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Retro is fully owned by Nintendo, uh, but as far as like in Japan, yeah, yeah, because they did they did other M with Team Ninja and Dread was Mercury Steam and So as far as the mainline Metroid series, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting to think. This is, I believe... What about Zero Mission, though? Was that... Oh, yeah, that was after. (laughs) Yeah, so Zero Mission. Okay, so I guess Zero Mission is technically... You're right. Good call. Good call. Yeah, but this is the last new game, then. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You are technically correct. All right, perfect. That's kind of correct. Yoshio Sakamoto was the designer again. He's kind of like the the head Metroid guy now. Mm -hmm. And it's designed, the team is largely the same team who did Wario Land 4 for the GBA. So it's kind of like that yep, team yep. went over. I believe it was like largely a new team. I don't think there was a ton of people from Super Metroid who transferred over other than Sak- Sakamoto there. Uh, Gunpei Yokoi had passed away in like 1997. So this is kind of like one of the first Metroid projects that he wasn't involved in in any yeah. way. Yeah. Which that's interesting. Yeah, we said, uh, what, eight years after Super Metroid. So that was kind of a long wait. At least it's, it felt like a long wait back then. Uh, now, I mean, it's skipped the N6. It, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I think people were looking for like, well, what's Metroid going to be like on the N64? Um, I don't know if it would have been that great. <laughs> it would have been tough to pull something off. Yeah, I always used to wonder why it skipped the N64. Because just the way things were going at the time, I always imagined like Prime would have happened there. Just with the dawn of FPSs and the popularity of stuff like Doom and then GoldenEye on the system. It's like, would they have taken a shot at that? At the at the time, though, Nintendo was still bifurcated into... Uh, I mean, Nintendo's, Nintendo's uh, de- development teams were all still very separated, um, yeah. which is why you had... It's like, um, 
you know, Miyamoto did Mario games, but like R&D one, you know, Yokoi's former, you know, Yokoi's group, like they didn't do original Mario. You know, they'd done Mario Land, but then they then they kind of stopped doing that kind of stuff. And so they owned like Wario, like Miyamoto didn't work on Wario games. That was R&D one. And they owned Metroid. Um, and additionally, you know, they ended up doing a lot of portable stuff because the Game Boy came from that division. Whereas remember, because the, the hardware and software groups were divided mm. as well. And it was only kind of recent. It was only moving into the era of the Switch where Nintendo, um, A, brought all of those R&D groups into one software, the, the, the SPD division, and also merged portable and home hardware into one group as well, because portable and home were separate groups. The fact that um, the Game Boy Advance and the GameCube had the connectivity that they exploited with Metroid Prime and Fusion, that was actually like kind of a newish thing because I I believe I think it was true that like the Game Boy Advance and the um the the GameCube were actually developed like separately from each other. And so um the the reason why it's like so the N64 teams probably weren't working on Metroid and the the Game Boy teams were actually thinking about Metroid at that point because that was what they were like like the the Metroid people were the Game Boy people. And so it okay. kind of does make sense that you'd have it on Game Boy Advance, but not N64. Oh, interesting. I was even wondering, too, is like with with Gunpei's passing, like, do you, do you think there's anything there? Of like there was just nobody up high to like champion Metroid. And so if nobody was pushing it, then it just didn't come out. It was still a small series. Um, but I think that, yeah, I mean, ultimately you had, um, you know, Sakamoto as being Mr. Metroid with Yoko. I mean, really, after Yoko, we left the company, right? Um, but then, you know, Sakamoto, I mean, you know, he did Game Boy games. So that was what, you know, that was where they did it. And um, there was an interview that I was reading where, you know, they because the Game Boy Advance was getting a lot of remakes of Super Nintendo games. Right. Because it was yeah. very um, it was an easy system, to just port Super Nintendo stuff onto. And so when Nintendo had originally announced a Metroid for Game Boy, people were like, oh, is it going to be like a port of Super Metroid? And Sakamoto was like, you know, we considered this, but no, you know, we want to do something brand new, even if it's even if it's not on the big home console, even if it's uh, I'm editorializing here, actually, even if it's not like on the on the big stage, like, you know, even if it's on the portable system, which is mostly getting a lot of ports, like we would like to do something that is that is new, new, you know, just for the system. So they did the direct sequel, the storyline sequel to Super Metroid and continued that that journey that Samus was on. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, it does. It does seem like at one point they were working on a, a maybe a Game Boy Color version of Metroid. There was in E three hundred one. It seems that there was a new Metroid game announced. It was called Metroid Four at the time. Which that was it. Fusion was Metroid Four. Metroid Fusion starts with Fusion, but then it says Metroid Four. Metroid like, Four. It, it is Metroid and that's, Four. And people were yeah, and people. Um, there were people who I think watched the first uh, Dread trailer when they showed it off in the Nintendo Direct earlier this year. It was like. Metroid five. What do you mean Metroid five? It's like somebody hasn't been paying attention because Metroid two was called Metroid two. Super Metroid starts out with a screen that says Metroid three and Metroid fusion starts out with a screen that says Metroid four. And yeah, if you, what's funny is if you go back and look um, at that Metroid four trailer that was showed very early in the 2001 E3, that is, I, I can't, I, I don't understand why they showed that. I don't think they were thinking actually that that was, you know, uploaded a, a couple because YouTube didn't exist yet, like like for years, right? So eventually, when that trailer kind of got out there, you know, it's like it, it, it's it's um it's so early, it's so early. It's this obviously like when Nintendo says like they 
they mock up a prototype with really simple graphics. Like that's what you're looking at. It's this weird, weird, like I would have never showed this to somebody graphic style. I don't know why they showed it because I think they were just sort of thinking this old mentality where you, you play a trailer at the, at the video game expo and people see it and they're like, Oh, okay. And then nobody ever sees it again after the expo. Yeah, they never over. see it twice. They don't like yeah. go over it. Yeah. Yeah. I should look but, it up. I have a picture of a screenshot from that E3 and it's yeah. so kind of sad. Well, the fact that it didn't come out makes it more interesting and sad, but it is yeah. like, it yeah. doesn't look visually interesting. I think you're right. It looks very simple because I think mm-hmm. it probably was maybe, Maybe they were thinking about it for the Game Boy Color at one time. I don't know. That's not totally confirmed. Potentially. But, yeah. yeah. It, it, it could have been a Game Boy Color version that they just moved over and started tweaking. Yeah. But her Samus's suit looks looks weird. It's like super dark. It's kind of the shape is a little off. She's got two arms. kind of weird. Yeah. She almost yeah. looks punched over or something. But then yeah. the weirdest part, I think, is the fact that she's like running up walls. Like there's straight up oh, point right, trailer yeah. where she's just running up a vertical wall, mm-hmm. which is... It, I don't know, unmetroid like in my what mind. It, what it looks like to me is a test bed for different um, concepts that they were playing with. Because we see her running up walls. We see that sort of the, there, there's like a gun where it's like like a almost like a, a, a sort of a lasery kind of gun thing that can be aimed in arbitrary directions. Like I think that see- looks cool, actually. It does look cool. It's see, but it maybe they it just didn't work. Like I mean, eventually, I think they brought the gameplay back down to like, okay, let's kind of go with Super Metroid a little more enhanced rather than this sort of wacky thing we're thinking about. But remember, at the time, you know, Super Metroid. It's like it, it you know, that was it wasn't necessarily the case that Metroid itself was going to get sort of, you know, calcified into exactly what super Metroid, the super Metroid gameplay mechanics, because they, they could have gone any direction. So that, that, what that looks like to me is like, we're seeing footage of test environments in which they test out wacky new features to see how they work. Again, Mm. it's, it's, it's just very odd to me that somehow became a, um, a trailer that was shown uh, to the public. Also the, uh, the logo for i guess it was metroid 4 at the time like a yeah. weird font <laughs> that looks so un metroid it almost reminds me of like i, I don't know like i was like castlevania like it doesn't look like a sci-fi sort of it reminds font. me of the street fighter 4 font yeah oh, it does yeah I, I could, yeah. yeah i could see that yeah and then like the four is kind of like carved into the like oh like like ridley did that or something it's so weird mm-hmm. people should look it up if you've never seen it it's a bizarre logo it's pretty cool it is it is very interesting the little demo there is um i was just looking up there was an interview sakamoto did sakamoto did after metroid fusion came out where he talks about the design you know we talked about them like playing with the design and that that demo obviously has a different design, but the fusion that actually came out, Samus also looks very different from the norm. And he talks a little bit about that. He says, uh, for Metroid Fusion, Samus has a new look. The first designers who I handed the work to came back to me with a pretty outrageous request. This is Sakamoto saying, we wanted to change her design. And when I asked why, they replied, it's been the same way for too long. Which I'm like, okay, I guess, like, I don't know. It's only been three games. And then um, he said, okay, basically, but if you're going to do it, you have to come up with a really good reason. And so that, that's kind of like how they led to the Parasite X thing and her getting infected. And she had to like kind of 
take off the suit or, or the scientists had to like rip the suit off and she got infected. So that's kind of, they were narratively trying to justify it, but then also she does have a very different look. That's somewhat evocative of the, you know, the big shoulder design that she's known for. But what do you guys think of her look in Metroid fusion? Honestly, it's weird. Like, even though this was my first Metroid game, like I was well aware of the series and, and Samus herself, of course. And I, I've always kind of liked it the least. I think I, I like the color scheme, but like the suit itself, it's got like a like a smooth. It's almost like she's more like in a in like a wetsuit kind of. It's like less bulky. It's sleeker, which is like okay. I I kind of appreciate that, but I I don't know. There's something about it that's. I guess I just like her looking more armored, maybe. Um, but like <laughs> I said, I think the colors are cool. It is interesting that two years later they did Zero Suit Samus, so they changed her look again. And in like you're saying, very much sleeker, but that I feel like that look kind of took off in a way that this fusion look didn't. Yeah, and you know, that makes it because she's like out of the suit. So you're like, oh, she's probably not wearing like a suit of armor under the suit of armor. <laughs> That'd be funny. One would hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I I it's one of those looks that it's grown on me a little bit, but like it's if you if I had to rank like the various suits, I guess, um, it'd probably be towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that's controversial. And I've never really seen a discussion of like what Samus's best look. I guess I don't know if I'm like off base with that or not. I'd be curious to know. I mean, most people probably just say the Super Metroid look, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say the Prime is the Prime look just the Super Metroid look. Super Prime armors. Uh, well, I mean, basically, but I'm sure somebody's going to get mad at this. Like, no, it is slightly different. There yeah, are- I like their dread suit actually. I know it's a newer game, but mm-hmm. screenshot of that suit. I'm like, that's a good looking suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, th- they don't really totally explain how she goes back to that design because that like takes place after fusion. So at the end of fusion, she still has that kind of sleeker look. Interesting. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, they, they don't talk about that. They don't talk about that. She just went in her ship and hung it up on the hangar and then. She goes to to whoever made her suit and, you know, orders another one. Yeah. Lucius Fox. We have (laughs) talked in previous episodes just about how, like, what is she? Is she a cyborg uh, in some kind? And I think this Metroid Fusion gives some credence to that theory because they're basically, you know, she gets infected and they're having to rip that suit off of her. Like, it seems like it's pretty serious process. It's not like just taking off a pair of pants. There's some serious engineering they had to do. Is the idea it's like is it, she's a human for sure, but like does she just have like computer bits inside of her, <laughs> like like nano machines or, or chips or something like that? Like I always kind of because I always thought she was just a straight up human and just a suit, like Iron Man basically. But like like you said, when we were learning more about like oh maybe she's got some machine stuff in her, and then it's like is it like an extremist thing with her then? True. Or- I mean who who knows who knows to what extent the average person in the you know the the the, the place where Samus lives and the time where she's where she's where she's living uh you know to yeah. what extent the the average person goes to the doctor and gets nano machines inserted into them. So who can really say? We do know for a fact though that uh after the ex parasite attacked her she was injected with a yeah. a, a vaccine made from Metroids. Yes. Yes. So it is yeah. so it's not it is not wrong to just call her Metroid. Yeah. The not just any Metroid. Metroid the hero of the game Metro. Oh, the baby. 
Yeah. The baby. The, the baby. So to cure her, <laughs> they had to give her Metroid DNA. It's not just a vaccine. It's right, like it's right, legit right. like they're changing her DNA, which is a more involved process. Uh, right. Also, I kind of messed up when you think of that. It's like, we're going to inject you with the remains of like your pet slash child, <laughs> sort of, kind of. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's just that's a service you can pay for in San Francisco. I don't know if you've heard of oh. that. Yeah, <laughs> they still they 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 stop that here, right? You just go to a Ripper Dock and they're like, "Oh, you want some Metroid? Here you go." <laughs> There's another quote from Sakamoto in that interview that I was talking about, uh, where he talks about making it actually easier to play as well. Which I'm curious your guys' thought on this. I don't know if that I think Metroid Fusion was necessarily easier to play, but here's the quote, real quick. Uh, the team came to him and they're like, we want to make it easier. And he said, individually, the team he's talking about all had slightly different understandings of what kind of game Super Metroid was. Some of them told me that they thought it was one of those masochistic, hardcore Nintendo games of old. So he's talking about the team, their uh, understanding of what Super Metroid was like. So it's like, it's like some kind of old, super hard game. Uh, And he naturally said like, yeah, I mean, it's an old game. So we had to like balance the game for the time period it came out. And of course, once I had them all play Metroid, they all said, yeah, this is definitely for the hardcore, which is funny. And then he goes on to say, so the one thing that we had to do on this forefront of our minds during development was how can we make Metroid easier to play? Super Metroid divided the game into clearly defined sections to make Mm. things stressful. This is according to him. On the other hand, you can't just verbally tell players what to do. So Super Metroid had parts where the narrative unfolded for for you just by playing you would explore all these different places without any guidance and finally realize through the process of elimination where to go that this is the interesting part for me that was a problem for us as developers and i think for players too so he's kind of like saying like you know super metroid it was all about exploration but in some ways we didn't think that worked as designers and so that's why metroid fusion is a little more directed and tells you where to go what do you guys think about Mm -hmm. that so the answer to the first question about like if I thought it was easier to play, I mean it's hard for me to say because that was my first one, so I didn't have like a comparison point, and so it was kind of had to go backwards of like playing this and then playing Super Metroid, which is you know the other one that these two are kind of neck to neck in terms of which one's the best ever, right? Uh, and having that moment of like, oh, I can't ledge grab, but that's not a thing in this series, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and still loving Super Metroid, but there was that adjustment of like, okay, this is not as smooth as I maybe expected it to be based on the one i played before so i guess it's easier to play because it just feels better it's just a little faster and you know samus is a little it's more nimble in fusion and it just makes platforming more fun at least to me uh so yeah i guess that's kind of where i land on that like yeah i guess it's easier just because it just feels smoother you know i do like that you could grab ledges that was a big innovation here ledge grab was good yes um, yeah, this is tough. Um, I mean, this is really the fundamental question, right? And it's something that people are grappling with. Again, no, no dread spoilers because I'm only a short distance in with the game, but it's something that I'm seeing people online kind of grappling with, 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 with dread as well, because it seems like dread is a little bit more linear, more directed. So it's easy, It's interesting to hear that quote, because of course, what, you know, what so many people, people believe there's a certain segment that believes that super Metroid is the platonic ideal of a, of a Metroid game or even even the Metroidvania genre overall, you know, because it is not 
like Super Metroid is, it, it's not a non-linear game. You know, uh, uh, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind would be a good example of a truly non-linear. You know, just literally just go do whatever you want kind of a game, which I haven't played. So I'm kind of talking out of my butt here, but I assume. No, you're correct. You can. I mean, in Morrowind, you can like you can kill somebody, and then the game will be like, okay, well, you've killed a fundamental person in the story, therefore. You, you're not going to be able to beat the game. You should probably reload. Yeah, you could just kill major people. You could kill anybody right. in that game and then yeah, yeah. not complete. You would just see like you'd kill a person and like, oh, this quest is done. This quest is done. You can't do those anymore. Right, right, right. So um, Super Metroid is not that, but it's like Super Metroid is, you know, you have to, well, Super Metroid, uh, you know, you don't have to do it. You know, speedrunners can do all kinds of crazy stuff. But if you're not speedrunning, if you're just sort of playing it normally, like, you know, you've got to do certain things in certain orders to sort of unlock the rest of it. But the game doesn't just it, the game never specifically tells you anything like that. But it works organically. I mean, I, you know, I, I when I first played it, I played it after Fusion and I didn't feel like, oh, my God, like coming out of Fusion, like this game isn't telling me anything. I don't know what to do because it it does tell you what to do. It just tells you in game design. It doesn't tell you with a voiceover it tries its best to communicate to you what you should be doing just using the organic environments only, um, which is a difficult thing to do. And I can see other people. I mean, I think they look at super Metroid and they're like this. We're not selling as many as we should be. People aren't really sticking with it. So maybe we really need something where it's just a little bit more directed and it just sort of gives you this open world, but then it tells you, okay, now you're going to go. I mean, literally, it divides the world out into sections one, two, three, four, five, and six and tells you, okay, go to sector six, go in, get this thing, and then come out. And then uh, now the the smart thing that Fusion then does is that it gets you used to this mission-like structure, and then it changes things up on you because you go in and you realize, uh-oh, I can't actually complete this mission, or oops, I've got to do something else. And then there's moments where you find out that you're in... Sec- sector five and you're trapped so you bomb your way over and the next thing you know you're in sector six you know or 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 the the moment where the um you're on the elevator and the elevator um breaks then you then you didn't you don't really think about this it's like wait the elevator broke and then you're like what do i do and then it turns out you can bomb your way out of the elevator shaft and you know there's a whole other thing so it um in that way, it's actually kind of clever because, yes, it does railroad you, but then it thinks, OK, what can we do to set up your expectations that you're just going to be railroaded into these neat little segmentations and then change things up on you and, and make you go, oh, my God, I didn't realize this was here, that this was possible. Um, but Super Metroid was not, I think, difficult to navigate. There were certain that what is interesting about Super Metroid is that, I mean, one of the fundamental things is that Meridia, right, the water area. You can either go through the whole wrecked ship and get through Meridia, get into Meridia that way, or you do the thing where you're in the big glass tube and you set off the power bomb and you can power bomb your way. And that's, of course, a big moment that you don't actually ever have to do. Like, I don't actually think you have to power bomb that tube. You might have to. Maybe you have to to get to something, but like, I think you can skip it. So, I mean, there's. Those sorts of things aren't really possible in in Fusion, I don't think. I mean, I think Fusion is very much like you got to do what you got to do in the way that we told you to do it. And that's why speedrunners are not as thrilled with Fusion, because there's just there's there's fewer, um, 
you know, kind of chinks in the armor. There's there's fewer loopholes. There's fewer ways to get around things. Like yeah. you can't you can't bomb jump in fusion. I, I don't think like in Super Metroid. And I loved doing this. But the, the second time I played Super Metroid, I would be like, OK, I know I can get up in there if I bomb jump. So I'm just going to sit here and bomb jump until I do it. But with fusion, you I don't I don't actually think you can infinite bomb jump. You can get yourself up a little bit high. But so they just sort of gate you in ways that in Super Metroid, because I think they were I mean, Super Metroid, I think they looked and they were like, oh, like people are doing things we didn't expect them to do. So maybe we're going to tamp that down a little bit and, and stop yeah. them from being able to yeah, do they it. Put the guardrails up a little bit more. Yeah. And I think the idea is that because fusion's a way more story driven game that they made it more linear because they they had a more complete story to tell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know well if you want to get like wanky about it you could say the whole narrative setup is samus losing her agency to some degree like she is depowered and her abilities her suit is now out to get her and she she just isn't as capable anymore and so she's sort of lost her agency and that is i don't know if this was intentional on Nintendo's part but you know the fact that she cannot, you know, you can't sequence break in the game, right? You can't skip through things. Like there's mm-hmm. less reason to explore on your own free will. You kind of got to follow the marker on your map. Is interesting if you look at it that way. Yeah. It's all leading up to the moment in which you do finally become powerful enough to explore the whole world. You know, like once you um if you if you are fighting the constraints um, of the world uh, for long enough, then once you finally get the space jump and the screw attack or the shine spark or whatever it happens to be, and finally you're just sort of set free and do anything, um, that's that that's a very powerful moment. The other thing about that too is even though there's a thing on your marker, uh, excuse me, there's a marker on your map saying "Go here, idiot." Sometimes it's not easy to actually get there you have to do a little bit of it's not like this room is connected to this room sometimes there's blocks in your way and you have to figure out how to you know bomb certain areas to mm-hmm. find the hidden path in a way that could be more frustrating well it where i'm going with it is it makes you feel like you're exploring even though you're doing exactly what you need to be doing but you feel like you're exploring and finding hidden passages even though that's exactly what nintendo wants you to be doing in that moment yeah, and I say that just because there's something about having that, like, I've actually been going through that problem with Axiom Verge 2, because that game does a similar thing of like, hey, here's the dot in this uncharted area of the map, just go in that direction, you'll probably get there. But when you don't, like, <laughs> like I hit a wall where it's like, I feel like I've exhausted every possible avenue, and but this thing's saying like, no, you can totally get here. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I, like I, I believe you, but man, it's like, I, I feel like I've, hit every wall i don't know where to go and like yeah there's something about having that carrot dangled in front of you you almost wish like i almost wish i didn't know because then it takes some of that pressure off in a weird way like i'm just gonna explore and then if wherever i go if this happens to be the right thing then cool but being told like oh if you're going over here it's not that (laughs) you're wasting your time if you're going the opposite direction then i don't know there's something about that it can i guess maybe be a little bit demoralizing couple fun facts I turned up is in the Metroid instruction manual, it's revealed that Metroids were actually created by the Chozo. I think that's where this concept is introduced. And then yep. the word Metroid in their language translates to Ultimate Warrior, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what the Ultimate Warrior was doing in WWE. Okay. That's yep. exactly He's what trying I mean. to drain everyone's energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. 
It's funny because they they created the Metroids too to combat X parasites, which X parasites were introduced in Fusion for the first time. And I remember it's in some sense neat that here's this thing you shoot an enemy and it devolves into this X parasite and then you can absorb it for health and whatnot, mm-hmm. which gameplay wise is neat. I just remember yeah. thinking like you had a cool looking monster with the Metroids. And now this thing that is its arch rival is just this dumb looking blob. I just didn't like the look <laughs> of the X parasite. They're it, not is the, it is the WWE. <laughs> yeah. Not as cute as a Metroid for sure. Or as ultimate warrior. <laughs> so, I, I actually really, I actually really like the X Parasite stuff because of the fact that, yeah, that first of all, they they took the previous games, which just had sort of pickups, you know, and they, but they then they they turned the pickups into a character, um, and so uh, instead of enemies, instead of for some reason an enemy dying and just dropping a whole bunch of little life pellets and missiles everywhere, it's the X Parasites, um, which you have to pick up, or I think they'll they'll go and reinfect another enemy. The enemy comes back, um, but then also later the big blue ones, which are which uh, hurt you because they're cold, and then you develop the ability to absorb them so an enemy or a trap or an obstacle becomes that changes from something that will actually hurt you very much uh into something that you really want to pick up because it actually adds a bunch of health and and um you know to you um and that that i thought was an interesting game design kind of tweak as well towards the uh towards the latter or the middle part of that game yeah we were talking about sequence breaking too i thought it was interesting fact that like this is the only metroid game i believe where you can complete the game with a zero percent on your items screen really yeah which is a weird thing Hmm. Uh, there's other games where you can complete it with like one percent pickups of items but this is the only one where it's zero percent item pickup which that seems like it'd be hard because samus takes a lot of damage in this game i don't know if that was an intentional design because she loses her suit but when you get hit you get hit hard so you want those pickups. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The um, well, you're not supposed. Well, I mean, your problem is you're getting hit. <laughs> Man, the ultimate warrior. He's tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. So, again, replaying this again. Um, and again, it was funny because, again, it was my first 2D Metroid. I, I, I think I tweeted about this. It was like, you know. At first, it was like, this game is cool. And then the, the replaying it now it was like, wait a minute. Why the hell can't I infinite bomb jump? But I really I still ran into trouble with this. There's the one uh, like spider boss that um, if it if it gets anywhere near you, it picks you up in its claws and drags you up and sucks the life out of you. And it's so much life and it's so hard to avoid because the hitbox for it grabbing you is so big. That was the one that was really the one part of the game where I was just like. Uh, this can go to hell. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> that's when I would had to like get out my phone strategies for beating Spider Boss, and it's like, oh well, you know, roll into a ball, make yourself a smaller target, and try to move around really quickly. Uh, okay, all right, I finally did it, and I was like, I don't feel like I accomplished anything. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, I'm glad that it's over because I wanted to get to the end of the game. I, I was replaying this game too before Dread came out, and I was trying to remember when I originally played it back on the actual game boy advance and i was like mm-hmm. how did i i mean i i didn't look up a guide i don't remember just beating it but i don't remember having trouble but now when i went back to it i was having trouble hey, that's a good humble brag there <laughs> <laughs> well i was trying yeah. to not brag but i ended up bragging <laughs> my past self was bragging and now yeah. i'm i'm definitely worse than i used to be is what i'm trying to get at for sure for sure we didn't talk too much about the sax 
which mm. is basically mm. you know your old suit which is infected with x parasites now is hunting you throughout the whole game mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool little twist it, it adds a little yeah. bit more of a you know metroid's always been kind of creepy and eerie but this is a little bit more horror vibe oh well, it's not a yeah. horror game but it is it has that sense of like something is hunting me and this if it's not the, if it's not the scariest game boy advance game i would like to know what is oh that's an interesting thing Ooh. yeah I can't think of anything, at least that I've personally played. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's such a cool idea, and it might be something that's lost in you. Like, it could still be creepy, uh, at least it was to me, at that being my first real Metroid game, but I almost wish that I played the other ones leading up to it. So it would probably be even more terrifying because you have that built-in, like, oh, this is Sam's suit. Like, you know what this is capable of. This has gotten me through all these other adventures, and it's taken out all the mm-hmm. monsters. Now I have to fight that thing, right? It's yep. like it's almost like the like the black suit storyline in Spider-Man of like, oh, this thing that gave him all his power. Now it's turned against them. What's he mm-hmm. going to do? So like I, I was like, I almost wish I had that <laughs> going into it. But yeah, like it, it's creepy because, I mean, that thing is super strong. And there's even the scenes where it kind of shows up and it's like looking for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like the it's such a limited animation. Like it's not really doing anything, but just that intimidation when like enters room and it's just kind of like scanning for you looking you're just like almost like holding your breath <laughs> waiting for it to leave and not find you because you because exactly you know what your suit is capable of yeah you know and, and just the the wonderful sort of like cinematic you know everything from the music to the presentation of those moments is is pretty uh you know very it's this is what happens when you get one of the best teams in video games and you're like okay well you know create a masterpiece on the game boy advance <laughs> Um, and they create this, you know, this this beautiful, beautiful, small scale cinematic. Every single, you know, pixel of it, every moment of it has been very carefully considered and worked on and polished. And it's pretty it's it's pretty impressive, you know, it, just considering the hardware and considering that Game Boy Advance was, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of a dumping ground for for older ports and things like that. Or, you know, kids games or, um, you know, just generally a lot of products that didn't have that amount of love put into them i mean fusion was like fusion was just the ultimate uh game boy advance game in a lot of ways yeah probably the only thing that diffuses the fusion intimidation factors if you called it the stacks instead of the sax yep yep gets a lot scary a lot less scary (laughs) uh this is a uh, metroid game with a lot of story though yes does it ever no, there's still way for days, Ben. In fact, this is probably the first, like we said earlier, the the first like real like a story driven Metroid game. Uh, so yeah, let's dive into the the tale of Metroid Fusion, and I'll have to paraphrase a bit because there is quite a bit. But yeah, let's get right into it. So of course, it opens up Samus Aran, the greatest bounty hunter that the galaxy has ever seen. She is exploring uh, planet SR388. Uh, she's got a crew with her from a laboratory called Biologic Space, which is a very straightforward name for your lab. <laughs> and all of a sudden, get attacked by a parasitic organism called X. Just X. And, you know, uh, Samus gets wrecked pretty good here. She gets knocked unconscious, and they're trying to take her back to the station, and the ship crashes, just all kinds of bad it's stuff. It's like one blob. It's like one of those little X parasite things, which I guess, you know, it's a X, parasite. Ben. It only takes one, right? But it is funny that just immediately she gets infected and like collapses. Yeah, X gonna give it to you. 
<laughs> that's what he that's what the song was really about he was a huge metro mm. fusion fan <laughs> before it came out so yeah she, like you said she gets infected by the uh the ex organism or organism organism what can i say that word organism Organ bang it, thanks. <laughs> organism <laughs> and so the galactic federation you know they decide to quote-unquote cure her with a vaccine that's made from the the cells of the baby metroid that uh samus adopted and we last saw in uh, super metroid and give her metroid dna yeah i don't think she consented to this they're like hey which again that's not what vaccines do we got enough <laughs> vaccine misinformation spreading around right now nintendo don't contribute to that <laughs> ben do you work for biologic space laboratories <laughs> <Come Whoa>. on. <laughs> and it, it's it's quite a vaccine too because not only does it get her back on her feet but it gives her to the ability to absorb the x nuclei uh, for like to nourish her um but it also has a side effect because it she inherits the metroid's weakness to cold which is weird <laughs> you know when you think about it but i don't know how metroids work and how the vaccine do you works think she has to like eat anymore if she's just like absorbing x parasites is that how she's getting all her nourishment yeah i guess i guess i mean we've never seen her eat well that's a good point did she eat before this did the suit just like inject her with just like proteins and things yeah, maybe? It was just nuclear fission or something okay and why do we never see her poop does she poop in the suit probably I mean, if that thing can turn into a little ball, mm-hmm. it could probably like fall a little toilet in there or something, yep, right? Yep, yep. What do you think the super missiles are? Exactly. Uh, yep, that's the, her poop. Yeah. Oh, it's like death. That's where Death Stranding got the idea. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. I mean, she never takes a suit off. If my suit was like my house, basically, there's no reason to leave. It takes care of every every possible need. I think in the book Dune, he spends like two paragraphs talking about how it those suits turn <laughs> urine into water it's just like the most detailed explanation of like how that yeah. works that just don't need so again when you when if you're gonna say that fusion has too much story remember it could have been it could have been dune you know it could have been, been dune. <laughs> uh, so yeah samus wakes up and uh she finds out that there is an explosion at the station and so she goes checks it out um it turns out that the uh mission or like the gunship her head-shaped gunship, as we established in a previous episode. The computer AI is kind of uh, guiding her, it, and she names it Adam, or I guess nicknames it Adam, mm-hmm. which is named after her her ex-commanding officer, Adam Malkovich, who I, I think believe we see in Other M. We, we, cer- oh, we certainly do, yeah. We meet him in Other yeah. M, which back, yeah. you know, when this game first came out, nobody knew who this guy was. Did you guys like the computer? Did you... I, I don't know. I don't know if I like I had I had no I had no feelings about the computer. I, I again it, it being my first Metroid, I I didn't know that she normally didn't have someone guiding her, so I didn't really mind it. I just thought it was weird <laughs> that the computer calls her lady and that felt condescending or something. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> but that in I, you know, I think it, it, I think a lot of this may have sounded better in the original Japanese and then <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah. Did he say it in a way of like, hey, you got to go get this upgrade, lady. Look, lady. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was this like a sassy AI? Like, I don't know. It... it doesn't come off as well in, uh, in the translation, I think. It'll be voiced by Danny DeVito in the remake. I hope so. <laughs> Detective Pikachu himself. <laughs> hey, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Samus finds out that the ex-parasites can uh, replicate people's uh, physical appearances and that they've infected the station and that also her suit has been infected and is now trying to murder her. 
And these are all giant problems. And so she pretty much explores the station, you know, doing her best to avoid the dreaded sacks. Uh, eventually, she finds a lab containing the some more Metroids. And but the sack sets off the uh, auto destruct sequence on the lab. So she gets out of there before it blows up because she's very good at avoiding things that are set to explode. Yes. <laughs> There's also apparently a bit where uh, Adam, the computer, yells at Samus for ignoring orders, which is, again, something that gets expanded on another rim. <laughs> In hindsight, this really lays a lot of groundwork for other ends I, go. I don't think they knew. They were laying track, but I don't think they knew where they were going with it. And then Metroid Other M just took it and was like, yeah, how can we? Let's run into the what, side of a mountain. What if she said thumbs down a lot? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, so, yeah, but Samus uh, ignores the order and she admits that the Federation was secretly using this lab to breed more Metroids, the hypocrites. Because remember last time they were. They sent her to wipe out all the Metroids because they didn't want any to, you know, be captured by the space pirates. So can never trust your governments, turns out. Or space pirates who have who have such a, uh, you know, friendly outward image. Yeah, we get to see him. I'd hang out with him. Uh So uh, Samus also discovers that the sacks can uh, reproduce asexually. So that's also asexually. I'm sorry if I'm ruining Metroid Fusion for anyone, but so when Samus is in her ball form, she's the. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm there with you, and I like every bit of it. Um, so uh, yeah, Adam, the sassy computer, kind of instructs uh, Samus to get out of the station, and so as she's heading to her ship, um, then the computer tells her to, "Hey, don't even continue investigating. Let, let the Federation take care of it. You're you're good." Let's just get out of here. And they're going to capture sacks to use for military purposes, we'll say. But, you know, Samus kind of knows that the X are going to just infect anyone that they send. And that's going to be a problem. She's like, no, I'm going to destroy the station. Because, hmm. like, anytime we send the Federation troops to do anything, it, <laughs> it never works. Yep. So, And she's vaccinated. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's got the, that, she's got the vaccine. Too. Well, she's vaccinated. Yeah, she has vaccinated. the little She's, not, she's definitely not vaccinated. She's well, about, she gets there. About the, the yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes. Did she get the one shot or the two? I guess it was one, right? I think her shoulder was sore for a while during the game. That's why they're so big. Yeah, the, yeah. I think I, I don't know. It was the it was oh, it's just a swollen shoulder. It was the, it was the, she got the uh, the Johnson and Johnson Android vaccine, so it's the one and done. Oh, so she's gonna have to go back she's at some point. Because... Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, Samus is like, I'm gonna stay here, destroy the station, and the computer originally is trying to stop her. She calls it Adam and then reveals that Adam died saving her life. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is enough for the computer to say, you know, I guess I'll help. How about we change the station's propulsion and we can use it to intercept planet SR388 <laughs> and we can destroy the planet. And Samus is like, blow up a planet? That's what I do every time I go to a planet. Which I said this last episode when they originally, their plan was like, let's just send people down to kill all the Metroids. Like, why don't you just blow up the whole planet and save a lot of trouble? Don't even send anyone right. down there. You guys have already decided this planet sucks. Just blow it up. Uh, but, you know, Adam, the computer of her dead commander, says, hey, let's do it. And she's like, cool. Let's go. <laughs> and so uh, Samus eventually realizes that the computer is actually the has the consciousness 
of Adam the person. It's not just a nickname. It turns out he legit is the brain of Adam the person. And it was his consciousness was uploaded after his death. I'm curious to get to other M because I don't remember <laughs> how that worked. <laughs> I, well, you know, he's kind of like, um, who's the, the dude in doom, the new doom, Samuel Hayden, the really tall robot. It's basically mm, oh. like that. It is interesting that some AI program, like here's this sob story and it's like, okay, I'm with you now. But the fact that it's actually like his brain in there makes a little more sense. Yeah, also kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> in a weird way, but it's like, you didn't know that before? Isn't this, isn't this your ship that you hang out in all the time? But, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, let's see, as Sam is heads to the propulsion room to, you know, get this kicked off, she finally fights Sax one-to-one, suit-to-suit, and uh, defeats it. And also sets the station on the uh, collision course with uh, SR-388. And as Samus is kind of making her uh, her exit, she gets attacked by an Omega Metroid. Yeah. The Omega Metroid, which I don't even remember yeah. what it looked like. Was that just a huge Metroid or was it one of the lizard things? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that's got a, it's got more of like a head and a body sort of thing, you know. Okay. It's kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. It's also one of those things where you're like, okay, they introduce... Parasite X, and there are these arch rivals to the Metroids, and and you know Metroids are bad, so you'd be like, okay, so the enemy am my enemy? Is that my friend? It, like, like are the parasites good then? <laughs> yeah. But no, clearly they're not because you spend the whole game like fighting them in the SAX. But then you, the last bosses turns out to be a Metroid. So Samus is caught in the middle between these two terrible organisms. Is basically the upshot there. Yeah. And here's what happens to the the sax is that it shows up to uh, get it get it some, mm-hmm. and it gets destroyed. <laughs> yep. It does not go well for old saxy. And uh, so Samus absorbs the the nucleus of sax and kind of gets becomes whole again, you could say. And she also gets a uh, an ice beam out of the deal, and she uses it to destroy the Omega Metroid. Yep. And so her ship arrives. It's piloted by little critters that samus rescued yeah throughout the game which i I guess we haven't talked about that the little dudes that you're saving and the habitation deck joe mentioned well this goes back to super metroid because joe mentioned last episode that you can save those critters on the planet in super metroid which i never i didn't realize you could do back in the day but then if you do those are theoretically the same the later in fusion and they're yeah. the ones that help save you, I guess. They like fly the ship in, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah, so they're saying that that's that optional yeah, thing is exactly. canon, basically. So if yes. you didn't do that in Super Metroid, you're probably like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah. No, you meet them. You do meet them in Super Metroid. I think I think you can't get out of meeting them in Super Metroid, so you should know who they are. But then yes, you can get them off the planet as well. Yeah. You you do okay. meet them no yeah. matter what, but you don't have to save them. But that yeah, is the yeah. candidate. Yeah, it, you might only question like, oh, I didn't think they made it out of out of their alive, but I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, they swoop in, they get her out of there, and the uh, like I said, the ship crashes into the planet, and I guess that thing is the size of Texas because it blows up the whole planet. Yep. You would think it would just kind of hit the, it would just hit it, and nothing would happen, but they, <laughs> <laughs> right, they would just kind of. Uh, it's a small planet, big ship, small you planet. Know how I don't fast know. it's going, right? Velocity makes a big difference too. 
light speed bullet. Just cut it in half. <laughs> okay. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the, the, the storied tale of Metroid Fusion. And it really is interesting that, um, you know, this is, I don't want to, again, I don't want to get myself into trouble here by saying it's the only Nintendo series, but of the big Nintendo series, it's the only one that has this single storyline continuity that has been going on since the NES days. I mean, it was, you know, it, Metroid 2 was a direct storyline sequel, you know, in, in ways that Zelda games typically are not storyline sequels to each other. Metroid Dread apparently wraps up the, the major plot lines that has been going on low these these last 35 years clearly sakamoto is a guy who loves his stories and um i mean he's basically on the you know at the time you know he was really on the same level as miyamoto like you know they were in different divisions and sakamoto could call the shots this guy's a this guy's a long time nintendo uh designer by the way he did um his first one of his first jobs at nintendo was he, he actually did sprite drawings for donkey kong jr so he's so he's not quite He's not quite as as has been there as long as Miyamoto, but he did work on Donkey Kong Jr. And so he got to call the shots. And so he is as much as Miyamoto is an anti-story guy. Sakamoto is very much a story person. Uh, so he really wanted to to do this, you know, continuous story, but in a way that that still feels very Nintendo because it's not like these sort of massive lordums. It's still a little bit you're a little you're still a little bit removed from a lot of what's going on. But there's definitely just this mystery that's been happening. And that's why it's so, you know, it's so odd that it took such a long time for us to get that sequel to Fusion because Fusion does kind of leave things hanging in the balance. Like, well, what's going to happen to Samus? She got off this planet. You know, she evaded the SAX, but. She's still, you know, she's still got Metroid DNA running through her veins. Like, what's, you know, what's the end of this story for her? It is interesting because Nintendo's always been a company that has embraced silent protagonists to a large degree. And, you know, Mario talks, huh. but to a very minor degree. Link's silent protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Star Fox is probably the chattiest yeah. of all of right. that. Yeah. But Samus, I remember back in the day thinking like, well, she's another silent protagonist. And then Fusion came out and she's like, oh, she's. She's chatting it up. <laughs> I mean, for a Nintendo character chatting it up, it's not like she's super talky, but it is kind of nice to have her talking to an AI and you get to know a little bit more of her personality. And I like it that it's an AI rather than another character too, because that helps reinforce that sense of isolation that you get from Metroid games. It's not really another person. You don't really have like a real companionship, but you have something there. Yeah. The soul of her dead friend. <laughs> That's right best friend <laughs> yeah it's a weird story man that really the relationship between her and adam which of course is you know carried on into metroid other m and then even into you know dread is uh it's hard to hard to wrap your head around i think i think a lot of the you know people could project whatever they wanted onto samus until more of her own personality and her own neuroses and her own problems sort of started creeping you know became apparent you know in fusion and other m and let you know so Samus, I think um, the the image that people were allowed to build up the, the sort of the sort of perfect image of Samus that people were allowed to build up in their heads, you know, through Super Metroid and even Metroid Prime, which doesn't really get into Samus internally, um, you know, was kind of at odds with the Samus of Fusion and later games when she started talking. And I think revealing that just like any good character, you know, she has flaws and she has hmm. neuroses and she has problems and she 
there's a computer, but she has to emotionally connect with this computer and call it the name of her dead friend. It's 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 uh, it's it's good writing, but I think it jarred people that had expected, uh, you know, when you have a silent protagonist, you just map whatever you want onto that person. That person is a perfect, you know, just badass with with absolutely no character flaws whatsoever. And so it's it can be surprising. Yeah. Marcus, if you ever die, I'll name my computer after you. Okay. Well, joke's on you, though. I'll actually be there. In my computer? You're going to haunt my computer? Oh, yeah. Or you mean you're going to, like, fake your death and come over to my house? That'd probably be better for me to do that one. Well, maybe. It'd be hard to explain to your family, but... <laughs> Let's do the second one. <laughs> but now I want, like, because I haven't had a chance to play Dread, but knowing that, you know, this is the conclusion of the Metroid Saga, you know, follows up with the story. I really hope, and no spoilers if this does happen, I hope we see those little guys again. <laughs> the dudes from Super Metroid that save you here. Oh, I we hope better. they show up again. Man, they if, have I, to, if, right? if I play through this whole game and they're not in there, I'm be so mad. I'm going to go on to Metacritic and give it a... Oh, I'll probably give it an 85 down from yeah. a 90. They'll be so, so ticked off. And then I guess you know. You, you finished. I do know. I won't say. It should be, though, where she like calls the monkeys in during boss fights or something. She's like, go get them. Like, they become like a upgrade first. <laughs> do it. Or maybe they did. Oh, sorry for the spoiler. One thing we didn't really talk about is this game ends in a countdown, which a lot of Metroid mm-hmm. games do. Not all of them. But it is cool that this yeah. one is in a countdown, but with a little twist. You're not nec- you are escaping, but the thing you have to do is beat a boss, which adds a lot of tension to that last yeah. boss fight. And I think I, I, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that final that Omega Metroid boss fight is actually very easy. <laughs> you know, it's it's the the boss fight itself is actually I think tuned to be like pretty easy to beat because they I don't think they want you die. I think they want you feeling that intense tension of, oh, God, I've got to beat this thing before time runs out. And I think if you were to die and do it all over again, doing it again would not nearly, I think, be as tense as the first time. I think the first time you get through that sequence, you get to the boss, the time is ticking down. You're thinking, oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? And I think they it feels to me like they really crafted it. So you're you're definitely, you know, unless you really mess up, you're you're going to beat this boss and you're going to beat it with like two seconds left on the clock. And you're going to feel if, 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 if it all goes right, you're going to feel really good about yourself, you know, for getting your teeth beating the game. Like it seems very like finely tuned to, to try to get that reaction out of you. It is very finely tuned to the point of like I thread the needle perfectly and my first time beat the boss he was dying and i could see the ship coming into dock and i had like seconds left and like just as the ship was was coming in close i ran out of time and so even though i had beat the boss i still died it was just like oh no (laughs) barely there it should be like right after you beat the boss you're fine but you know you just need a couple extra Mm. seconds after you beat him way to trip at the finish line (laughs) this is exactly i feel like they should have given that to you but okay they they really should have yeah what they should have done is there should have been like some stuff going on in the in the background where you know if you're doing really good against the boss you know they they kind of speed the time up a little bit you know or slow it down you know so so that no matter what happens like when you beat the boss you do it right at the last you know the last second yeah is that 
do games do that? They probably do. And because are you going to notice if a game, a clock like adds 10 seconds? That's the thing. You're probably not going to notice. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they if they do that. Hmm. Well. Oh, well, for me. But yeah, it is. It's a good last bottle. Fast bottle. Good last boss bottle. Organ organism. Nope. Nope. Right again. Orangutan boss battle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we talked about this in our Metroid 2 episode where Mercury Steam originally pitched remaking this game, Met- Metroid Fusion, which we talked about. I think that's a pretty known thing. What I didn't realize at the time was Mercury Steam was founded in 2002. So the year that Metroid huh. Fusion came out is when they started their company. And I kind of wonder if that had anything at all to do with it. If like, here's this team of people starting a game studio and one of the big games that mm. comes out that year is Metroid Fusion. And so they're all playing it. And so maybe that's how they were like, oh, it'd be great to like work on a Metroid when, game. Someday. When did they pitch Metroid Fusion? As, is that, was that like as a follow up to Samus Returns or was that before that? That was what Samus Returns became before they decided to remake Retro Two. They pitched Fusion first. Oh, interesting! Yeah, they yeah, pitched yeah. Must really, yeah. remake. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't hmm. know when the pitch was, but maybe 2014, 15 or uh-huh. something. Yeah, I wonder why they would land on that as as the game that they would want to remake. I don't know. Yeah, good question. I guess because there's like, hey, everyone loves this one. Let's make it better than Nintendo. So how about you take the one that really needs it <laughs> yeah, and yeah. make it better? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Yeah, because that's that's the weak link in the chain, right? If you want to play through the whole story, uh, you can play Zero Mission. Uh, you know, Super Metroid is fine, but Metroid Two, it's just Metroid One and Two are the ones that it's really just it's so hard to go. Super Super Metroid, they talk about games aging well. Super Metroid is aged like a like a French Bordeaux, right? I mean, Super Metroid is aged so you could just you could you could take Super Metroid right now. Super Metroid didn't exist, and an indie developer made it, and they put it on the eShop. They'd sell two million units of that. I drink that whole bottle. It, it absolutely works this, this year. Metroid's One and Two. Yeah, it's tough to go back. It's tough to go back. Yeah, I was joking around. Like, I could give Super Metroid to a kid that's into games today, and you could probably just tell them, like, yeah, this is a new indie game. That's like half indie games now are Metroidvanias that are 16 bit, and you probably wouldn't even notice, like, it holds up that well. Yep. And he'd be like, it's a girl? (laughs) But yeah, two, (laughs) but yeah, two, two needed that, needed something you could play, basically. Of course, now it needs it again because, I mean, it's like, a few people are going to be going back and playing stuff on the 3ds i think that they should i think they should take uh samus returns and um just just get it going on the switch you know what i mean and just you know put it out there on the eShop for 20 bucks or something like that and that's kind of the other kind of legacy with this game right like is fusion like the top the best metroid that's the hardest to go back to or like it's the least accessible because mm. it's never really been ported. Like the only time it's actually been ported was the on the 3DS for the Ambassador program. No, it's on Wii U. The, the, oh, is it on Wii U? The Wii U, the Wii U got Game Boy Advance Virtual Console, so it does okay. have Fusion. Yeah. So actually, I mean, a lot of people are actually doing that now because they want to go replay Fusion and Zero Mission, um, and you can't do it on the Switch, which is again frustrating. I'm sure that it's eventually going to happen. I think that what people have pointed out is with Nintendo's um, the subscription service for switch online, they, they tend to release new stuff when people would be unsubscribing from when, when people's year long subscriptions are running out. So we may have to, maybe we'll wait another year and they'll do game boy advance, you know, as a way to keep you now they have the two tiers, right? 
maybe the yeah. Game Boy Advance to the higher tier to keep people subscribing to it. So you might have to wait. But if you want to play right now, you can go. You can go to the if you have a Wii U, which of course you do. You know, um, yeah. you can just you can play it there. And then of course there's there's no other way to play it um, that I that we can legally discuss on this episode. Do you do you guys think it's worth going back to play though? Do you think it holds up? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. And I loved Fusion Zero Mission. We're so good. I mean, so a super also. But like uh, those those three are just magical still. Yeah, like that game is. And even knowing it's on Wii U, which I I remember they added uh, Game Boy Advance. I guess I completely blanked that they added Fusion. But even then, that's still kind of a like a monkey's paw of like we ported it to another console. Like, yeah, like it's the one that nobody bought. Like, oh, (laughs) it's like you probably don't have access to it still. (laughs) Um. so, like, if you were a 3DS ambassador, <laughs> or if you own a Wii U, or if you just happen to have a, you know, a cart from back in the day, then you should absolutely replay Metroid Fusion, because um, it's a phenomenal game. It's one of the best in the series. It's always in the conversation. It's, like, the only game that really gets put up against Super Metroid is the best one. We'll kind of see where it gets Dread lands on that, when Dread has enough time for people to really let it sink in, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't say enough good. I mean, it's it's arguably the best Game Boy Advance game. I know that's a whole mm-hmm. other can of worms, but I think it's in that short list of like it's, the oh, best yeah. GBA game. It's 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 on the it's in the top five, right? I mean, so the question of whether it's number one, you know, it's kind of down to personal taste, but it's it's it, it's it, probably mine, honestly. Yeah, it should be whoever you are. It should be in the conversation if you're talking about what is the best Game Boy Advance game. Well said. I think that kind of wraps it up. Metroid Fusion, worth playing. If you got into the series with Dread for some reason, go back, check those games out. They're worth it. It's interesting to think about, like, Metroid Fusion, there's definitely games that released after this one. You know, (laughs) our series isn't done. But this was the last game in the timeline until Dread, like, until just now. Like, this was... In the Metroid timeline, all the stuff that comes out after this is technically takes place before Fusion. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody out there for listening to this episode of Video Gameography. We really appreciate it. Pre- please uh, like us. Please leave a review. We appreciate that. If you want to get in contact, you can join our Discord server. You can leave us an email at podcast at gameformer.com if you want to issue a correction or something. You can follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Reeves. You can follow me at Marcus Stewart seven. That's the number seven. Perfect. And then Chris, anything you want to plug? Should people check out your stuff? Uh, yeah. Um, well, gee, okay. So if you, if you know me, you probably know me from my like quarter century uh, spent doing video game journalism at Wired, uh, Kotaku elsewhere. About a year or so ago, I ended up um, leaving, leaving, saying goodbye to all that and, and joining uh, Digital Eclipse, the game studio, doing uh, collections of classic games. And so we did a Blizzard Arcade collection early this year. We did the Space Jam uh, game for Xbox. Uh, and um, coming out soon is going to be uh, a new version of our the, the Disney Classic Games collection uh, for various platforms, uh, which is the, the, you remember the old one that had Aladdin and the Lion King. This one is Aladdin, Lion King and Jungle Book and also has the SNES version of Aladdin for the first time. And so that's that's kind of what I'm working on now. I'm on Twitter as Kobun Heat, K-O-B-U-N-H-E-A-T. Um, and uh, yeah, also still, you know, working on video game history type stuff here and there as i can well thanks for being on the show again chris yes thank you for having me been a delight 
And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Come back next week. I think we're we're really going to hit our prime next week. Ooh. Should be exciting. Get fuse, son. That sounded better in my head.